You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM. I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. In the studio with me today is my 2IC, Miranda Templeman, in the 2IC chair. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Penny. <laughs> and Hugh Best. Good morning, Hugh. Yep, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, I've got to earn the right for the 2IC chair. Yep, in the, in the training chair. We have a hierarchy in the studio. Good morning, guys, and thanks for joining us on this absolutely beautiful day here in Perth. And our thoughts go out to everyone that's not in the safe, healthy, comfort zone that we are in in this lovely WA bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate that it's damn tough out there in different parts of Australia, even Western Australia and the world. So our thoughts are with you. But um, today lots of football is happening in terms of not here in Perth because there's a little bit of a break between tournaments and, and uh, finals and things like that and then mm-hmm. jumping into what summer, five-a-sides and um, – Ethnic carnivals and African carnivals and um, challenge cups and all kinds of things is, is happening. It's just not really stopping except maybe at this Saturday morning. I don't think there's anything I know of that's on this Saturday morning. But um, please <laughs> do land you. it on the Facebook page <laughs> if you know about it. <laughs> um, it has been a very busy year of football in terms of local football here in Western Australia. It was finals weekend, which was amazing. It was 11 finals at Dorian Gardens mm. last weekend and – Excuse me, we'll have Tommy Dolman, who's been a match reporter for the Football football West Games uh, all season, join us and have a chat about that very soon. We'll be talking to Brendan Fantasia, who's a coach in the Bunbury region for Hay Park. He's been involved with the Bunbury Carnival last weekend, which was massive, and the Country Week um, event, I think you'll call that, which was also massive, which might have been the week before that. So both junior carnivals, but I do believe at the Bunbury Carnival there were seniors as well, but I was in the side of the 
pitches that had the juniors on. Yeah, there normally is. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, been down there refereeing uh, several times. It's just massive. Like you said, um, you, you try to find your pitch and it's like, holy crap, I need a taxi to get there. <laughs> it is exactly like that. Um, my daughter Rose and I, we scoped it out the day before because knowing that there was going to be 17 pitches there and it's like a kilometre from side to side, <laughs> yeah. better find out where it is and where Very the amenities smart. are, etc. Um, we'll also have a chat to Nick Galatis, who is the chair of the Association of Australian Football Clubs, or AAFC, and Stephanie Brantz, who is an ABC sports commentator and hopefully will be a W League commentator with the... Um, dates of the W League starting as December 27 for A League and W League. So that's yep. good news yep. in terms of they are promoting it together, mm-hmm. starting together. It is actually going to start. That <laughs> that part is really good. There'll be more information come out about that um, as to what format it will be, where it will be, how Perth will fit into that, how Wellington will fit into that mm-hmm. with borders closed, hub systems, home and away off. I don't know. So many questions, not a lot of answers. But you know, Hugh's done his research and he's going to tell us all the answers, aren't you? Oh, yeah, my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some answers, not all of them. <laughs> that's that's all right. I'm sure there'll be people lob things on our World Football Facebook page, and um, some of our guests along the way will fill us in. Mm-hmm. A lot Let's of hope so. Yeah. Well, that's why we um, have good guests on the show. So we're all good. Um, and I have a question for you, Hugh. Go for it. Um, the ATFA. Yes. Okay. So. We're talking about an indoor sport, right? How, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it could be outdoors, okay. But my question is, uh, you know how digital, um, digital, uh, like the technology this year has been amazing. Like just about every game you can think of has been somewhere you can watch it on a platform. How has COVID affected your sport? Has it increased? Has there been more people go to it? Numbers, you know, been. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite odd being you know, COVID around the world. Um, there's been a, an increase in members joining, not just the ATFA, but around the world, um, a, a type of, so the ATFA, the Australian Table Football Association, or yep. Subudio as most people would know it as, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a huge increase in what's been known as the solo play, solo Subudio leagues. Uh, the Australian uh, one was called Solo on Your Own, um, and there's an international Subudio solo league, which I've been a member of both of those, and basically you just play by yourself. Um, you know, two teams either end. You can play one team left-handed, one team right-handed. <laughs> um, the, I, I suspect it's much more fun playing with someone else. Oh, it, it really is. But uh, with um, particularly the Australian um, teams, we've got um, clubs in every state uh, and obviously, as most people would know, that uh, Victoria has been hit the hardest. Uh, so they've not been able to play a- any form apart from in their own house. Yep, no um, face-to-face interaction. No going. face-to-face no. interaction and, and it, it's really hard for them. Um, Brisbane have um, have started again, as we would know with those that have listened to a few other codes, would know that Brisbane have got a slightly relaxed um, border control, so they've been able to have competitions. And us in Perth, we've been playing since, I've got to have a think now, uh, June. We've yeah. been having competition. We've got a competition again tomorrow down at uh, 22 Titchbourne Street in Coburn Central. So that starts at 8.30. Um, come on down if you want to have a, have a sticky beak. We'd uh, love to introduce anybody to the, to the sport that I love the most. Um, well, almost the most. <laughs> well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. But sport encompasses everything about it, right? That's like correct, The yeah. world game. It is. Yeah, well, I've had, I've had that aside. conversation with um, 
Football West, but um, yeah, okay, they're yet to put yeah, it on their like affiliations yeah, page yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Hobby sport game, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've tried to find the middle ground of just calling it a game, but uh, yeah, as you get uh, more and more serious with it, it becomes more and more sport orientated. There's international standard laws. Uh, of the game. There's um, international tournaments. I was lucky enough to play for those that have listened regularly uh, for Australia at the World Cup in Gibraltar in 2018. I've um, I've played in three, three, yeah, three different Asian Cups, one in Japan, one in Singapore, one in, we were lucky enough to host in um, in Melbourne in 2018. So does this mean that you travelled to each of those, or in the past yeah, you travelled Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've nice. been to, uh, oh, I've played in the, the Singapore Cup five times, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's difficult to to maintain that hobby because yeah you, you you're not getting major sponsorship and every time I go wherever even if it's even if it's to Melbourne it's out of my own pocket mm. but yeah. yeah so the two times I've been to there's Japan, a common thread there isn't there there's a common yeah. thread with with User a lot pays. of yeah there's there's a hierarchy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not just in here but so anyway so would it be fair to say that interest and numbers have increased in the sport over this yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of um, a lot of players have come back and have been surprised to find that the game that they've known as Sabudio from the seventies, where it was probably at its peak, has changed immensely from not just the the playing figures, but also the pitch, the goals. The goals just be made of plastic that you know you could you could knock over with a with a good yawn. <laughs> uh, now they're they're competition standard, made of metal, and it, the players have gone from the the rounded base that most people would know because Sabudio used to start uh, back in the 40s when it was made with um, old army coat brass buttons with a little bit of cardboard on the top <laughs> yeah. and you used to flick them around on a yeah. on a blanket on the on the kitchen table so it, from that game to what it is now uh, that's why I, you know, I can genuinely say it's gone to a sport that it, it's no longer just a I've got nothing to do on a on a Saturday night and I'll flick some brass buttons around it's <laughs> it's quite serious Good stuff. Good yeah. to hear. Yep. Uh, we will say a big thank you to everybody that listens in from 10 to 12 every yep. Saturday. We'll be here until the last Saturday in November and then start again the first Saturday in February. So a bit of a break for us all over the hot months and just to recharge and have a think about things. But every Saturday morning until then, 10 to 12 on 107.9 FM, we are live and you can get to that on RadioFremantle.com's website and just click on the live button. You can post any news and shout out to anyone you want on our Facebook page. We do thank everybody that lands on there and uh, Peter Wright and Ian Dennis are very regular commenters on the page. So thanks, guys. We do appreciate it, uh, sharing all the news and we are about sharing the news. Hopefully we're not too opinionated that uh, we annoy anyone or, or <laughs> controversial or anything like that. It's just about sharing the news. That's what we love to do because we can talk pretty well, as you can hear. <laughs> so for the next two hours, we are going to talk football. And just as a little bit of an intro into the next two hours of football, uh, some of the things that are going to be happening over the summer period, there's a corporate challenge November the 6th, and this is uh, Football West 5 aside. If you want more information about that, jump on to footballwest.com.au. The World Cup starts October 17th. That's this weekend at Inglewood. First game's at 10 o'clock, and they go every hour and a half or so through the day, and I'm not quite sure how many weeks that runs for, but you can hop on to footballwest.com.au or their Facebook page, which has got heaps of information and photos on it. The Africa Cup Down Under starts or is on Thursday the 5th of November at Langley Park. Um, all these things are great. I think over summer if we can keep interest in the game, then then leading into the next season that uh, it's in people's minds 
and it's good that there's lots of different venues that they're hosting these at as well, get out into the community in all different forms. Football West also have a scholarship and the funding for that closes Monday the 26th of October. It's targeted at individuals towards the cost of individual coaching, refereeing or administration. Hop on to footballwest.com.au and find out about that. So I don't think that's aimed at any clubs or teams. It's an individual thing, so it's a scholarship aimed at an individual wanting to put in an application for that one. The finals were last weekend. I'm pretty sure that uh, that's everything done in terms of Levin aside for the regular seasons proper here in Perth. Bunbury Carnival was last weekend. I think there was maybe an Armadale Carnival on Saturday as well. Um, you can certainly let us know about anything else. Just uh, lob it onto the World Football Facebook page. Um, I noticed that uh, Football West are putting out some goalkeeping tips too, Miranda. Um, Dylan Cope, is he the NTC goalkeeper? Yeah, Dylan's been working yeah. with us at NTC for a while now, twice a week. Always a good time. Yeah, good to share some information out there with the community. We were talking about goalkeepers earlier, how the quality of goalkeeping has been actually pretty good. It's mm. been a um, pretty um, regular um, uh, number of goalkeepers, the regular faces in goals, so like dedicated goalkeepers in goals rather than kind of – I don't know, when NPL now and the women, you kind of expect that to happen, that someone would step up, they'd start to get their goalkeeping training, they'd be dedicated, they'd be the best person for the job and then mm-hmm. you kind of create a pathway for the young ones to step into. 23, same thing. Um, I think that pretty much covers everything that I needed to say, except that Ronaldo came up a couple of times in my um, readings this week. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, no. <clears throat> okay. He, he, he copped a negative for the COVID, so he couldn't play for Portugal, <laughs> all these international fixtures this week, mm-hmm. of course, um, which is great to see them being played. Yep. Uh, it was interesting hearing some of the background noise that they're playing against it because they can't fill the stadium. So yep. some of them are quiet. Some of them have different things on the chairs and seating. Some are just absolutely blank in the stadium. Some have got pre-recorded noise. It's just – it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the South American uh, qualifiers and it was um – yeah, those that want to practice on their Spanish, you just have a listen to that coach yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he didn't play. And um, Jolt, I think, from Liverpool, he's an attacker for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He was playing and he scored two of the three goals against Sweden. I thought, hmm, Cristiano, you've got a little bit of work to do there, mate. Starting on the bench next game. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and um, Neymar was doing the business against Peru and the Brazilian team. Uh, it had you, a bit of a different look to you, it. You're talking about arguing at the referee and falling over all the time? Because <sighs> he was doing that. That was the business I was watching. I wasn't talking about that. No. He's, he's a shocker, actually. So, funny you say that because um, my daughter found this funny thing on YouTube and it was someone who'd yeah, picked up on the fact that he does all these crazy antics in the games and he was rolling and he was rolling like a little Sabutio figure, rolling, <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling down the road across the train tracks and, and, and it was just so funny and Rosette's my daughter and I um, were just having a good old cack about that. So I prefer to think of him as an awesome soccer player, he footballer, is, and um, that yeah. he's only 28 and he scored a handful of goals and if he keeps on going he's going to beat everyone's record of, of goal scoring um, if he doesn't get sent off and... Um, yeah, well, he, he's already gone the... <laughs> uh, second on the list of all-time uh, scorers for, for Brazil. It, mm. It's only uh, – what's that other guy's name? He used to play in the 70s. I've forgotten. Number 10. Uh, started with a per, per somebody. Was <laughs> it? You sure? Uh, yeah. We... He, he ended up – yeah. So he's just behind Pelé by yeah. uh, about th- well, 30 goals, I think it is, somewhere mm. near there. Maybe not that many. But no. No, yeah, no. He, I think it's something like 
15 goals? 15, is yeah, it? Yeah, okay. not a lot of difference. Okay. Now, he's, he's going to go past it, obviously, but yeah. uh, to go past um, the Brazilian Ronaldo's record, which, you know, um, most people will still hold him as a as a, an equal, if not better, than, uh, than Neymar. But mm-hmm. um, yep. he, he put in some really good performances. But like I said, I was just being a, a, a tad jokey when I said his usual <laughs> performance of falling over and yelling. He was doing that as well, but he, he certainly showed some some class. We don't want to remember um, players for that. We want to remember them for their skill and class. And, you know, one day, Miranda, we're going to be having the conversation that there'll be some female soccer players yep. or, or footballers scoring goals in that, you know, high amount, and we'll be saying – the Ronaldo and the Sam Kerr and you'll be saying, <laughs> wow, they've scored just about the same amount of goals. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's the kind of conversations we want to be having. Yeah, exactly Definitely. right. Okay, we are going to go to a break and come back with our first guest, which is Tommy Dolman. This is Hugh, Penn and Miranda on the World Football Programme. Back soon, Ooh, everyone. upgraded. <laughs> 7.9 9 FM, your local station. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. And we are actually based in the Fremantle area, but we have a good reach actually. We go right to the northern suburbs now and up to the hills um, and down as far as... Pinjarra, because I can listen to it in the truck. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it it crackles a bit, but yeah, (laughs) as far down as there, yeah. Good job, Hugh. (laughs) All right, it's the kind of feedback we like. (laughs) Good morning, Tom. How are you going? Morning, everybody. How are we? Excellent. We're awesome. It's um, I'm actually a bit relieved in my head now that the season proper has finished. There's a little bit of a break before five-a-side starts. And there, there isn't any football this weekend, is there? Like, Do you know of any carnivals or anything happening at this moment? If there is anything, Penny, it slips my mind completely. There you go. Yeah. It was a big weekend last week, wasn't it, Tom? Uh, it was. It was a good weekend as well. I was—I uh, must admit—by the end of the weekend, I was—I was pretty exhausted. <laughs> I was ready for the break to come around uh, when it did. But yeah, obviously the eleven cup finals in over three days at Dorian Gardens. Um, I, I was there for the Saturday and the Sunday, um, and the, the crowds were good. Um, and it was—it was a really good weekend overall. I know there was a little bit of talk on it on, on the various online uh, platforms uh, about the sort of 
the way it was formatted, but I, I thought it went really well. My, my only problem personally, or not problem, but my, my only issue personally was that sort of worry that if we did get any rain, how would the pitch hold up sort mm-hmm. of games 10 and 11? But uh, obviously we didn't get any rain and, and it was a great, great weekend, great crowds in, good atmospheres as well in particular. Um, on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday evening when the senior games were on and, and and there was some pretty good football to watch as well. I think we can probably take some very good uh, ticks out of this one, the biggest take being that it was well attended. Everybody knew there was going to be a finals weekend and who was going to be in it wasn't probably relevant at that time because people wanted to go and they could be in the same place and we're very lucky here in Perth mm-hmm. that we were able to host something like this. There was no social distancing. We might have talked about it but I don't think there was... <laughs> Actually, any. So we're all able to get together with our mates, uh, talk football, have a coffee, be at a great venue, and I'm sure Perth Soccer Club would have appreciated that it was at Dorian Gardens. They have a lovely venue. That's why Football West wanted it to be there. They could host all of their games there. Like you say, the weather was decent, the pitches held up, so it created a revenue stream for them. Mm-hmm. It was good promotion for the game. So you know, the take out of the end of this season was that it, it culminated in this whether the structure of the competition and how it got there with the top six, bottom six, you know, and how it ended, you know, I think that's kind of secondary in the fact that all those other things happened and they were positive. Yeah, it is secondary, Penny, and and, and I, I think as I've said previously on this on this show, when we get to year 2022 and 2023, we're only going to remember who the, the league winners and the top four winners were. I don't think we're going to necessarily remember the format. and. Um, it was interesting. I mean, it's, that's the way football goes sometimes as well. I mean, the format aside, everybody knew what it was at the start of the season. Everybody had obviously signed up to it. And um, I think in terms of the, the winners of the of the competitions, um, I, I don't think you could really dispute that any of those teams who did win honours, uh, particularly MPL level, which is where I've covered the most action this season, weren't, weren't deserving of their accolades for, for various reasons. Yep, and you know one of those reasons is that um, they're like, well, this is the season. We're going to make sure we've got a, a strong club, strong support. We've got a squad to put out in the park every week, and we're going to go for it. And you know they did. And uh, by the way, good feedback for you too, young man, in your match calling all season. Uh, have not heard one person sass you, say you got it wrong, um, <laughs> do a bad job. So you know, well done, all positive. Ah, uh, too too kind, Penny. Thank you, but. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, what I do is I'm independent on the football and the pitch. So when when the games are good on the pitch, it, it makes my my job a lot easier. Um, and, and obviously, in terms of the, the women's in particular this season, I've, I've obviously this is my first season calling the women's, given it is the MPLW and the, the inaugural campaign of that. And in particular, it's the, the people and the, the people around the ground. The players have been really good to me, and and, and everyone's been really helpful in general, which which always makes life a lot easier as well. It's, I'm, I'm very fortunate um, to do what I do because obviously I love football first and foremost, but um, obviously when you've got people both in the men's as well who are really helpful, uh, who are happy to chat, um, who give you some little pointers here and there and, and are really sort of cooperative, <laughs> that makes a big difference. I reckon that if you're um, doing an okay job and you're an okay kind of person and polite and respectful like yourself, then once you step out and have your break and everyone comes up and says hello, then they'll be putting little bits and pieces in your ear and you can use those bits and pieces. And then when we talk to you on the radio here, that's really helpful and useful too. So that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, and that's, that's what it's all about, Penny. And, and this is a football community, isn't it, especially at the, the, the grassroots and the NPL levels that we're dealing with. So 
Um, at the end of the at the end of the day, I know some people like to get a bit carried away, but at the end of the, it's still a game and it's still fun and it's still what we we, we we go to football to enjoy it, to watch it, to have fun, um, yep. to see our mates and to socialise and um, and and I think we we sometimes lose sight of that a little bit and, and obviously. As you say before, um, when you sort of make the effort with people, people generally make the effort back, and that's the lesson to learn in life. Yes, mm. yeah, it is. So let's just have a, a bit of a run through, Tom, if you would. The, give us a rundown of um, not all eleven games, maybe, but um, the, the top end ones that uh, you know people were excited about and uh, finished up the days for us. Yeah, so I mean, on the Friday night, I, I didn't do that game. I, I wasn't able to attend, but it, in terms of the senior. Uh, men's action, Karamar defeated Dinella 3-1. Great atmosphere on the live stream when I got back and, and watched the highlights. Um, it looked, looked like good fun uh, down there on that Friday night. And, and, and that atmosphere sort of carried into Saturday. I did the, um, I did the uh, Olympic Kingsway and Fremantle City uh, match. Kingsway winning 2-0, two goals last 10 minutes. Uh, Ajat Riak and Chris Ballad. And the atmosphere was really good. The crowd was, was in good attendance. Uh, Kingsway winning their double, uh, first double since 1980, I believe, 40 years. So, um, look, it's been a great season for them. Uh, I know that the Redbacks have, have got a good link with them as well, given uh, that they use Kingsway at NPLW level. Um, but, but Kingsway are definitely a team uh, that are going places in the northern suburbs. And, uh, and yeah, they've, they've had a really good season under Gary Williams. Yep, uh, they've got amazing facilities too. I mean, they've got it all up that way. Uh, kind of, if you're talking about a hub of football, I went down to the Bunbury Carnival on the weekend, and um, I'm going to get it mixed up. I know lots of times because there's three teams that play at the same place. Um, that uh, Southwest Phoenix, Bunbury United, and Hay Park all play at the same place. That facility is incredible. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about like hubs of football, they had their tournaments at that place. Kingsway Olympic could have some kind of massive tournament at their ground and make an absolutely immense amount of money. I wonder if they're thinking about that because uh, mm. it kind of makes sense to do something like that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the, yeah absolutely. And and, and these, these areas are all a strengthening. I think we've said it on the program before, Penny, but we've spoken about uh, like the, the Murdoch and, and Fremantle areas becoming quite strong in, in, in recent times. And and we've, and Curtin are obviously sort of coming to the fore now as well in terms of their MPLW presence. And, and obviously they, they're sort of – set up that they've got with the men's as well. And, and, and obviously you look north and you've got Kingsway, you've got Joondalup City, Joondalup United, Quinns, uh, Karamai Shamrock as well, who obviously won the Division 2 on um, Friday night last week as well. So mm-hmm. it's good to see these areas in the north and the south and uh, outside of the, uh, the CBD and the inner suburbs really sort of developing and, and becoming stronger as well. Absolutely. And uh, more games through the weekend. There was the, That was the State League Division 1 um Final, by the way, the Olympic and Fremantle, everybody. Um, then there was also the Bayswater won the men's 18s and 20s, didn't they, in the NPL league? So they they, they did pretty well. They did, yeah, and they've been um, they've been really strong at that level for a couple of years. I was talking about Kingsway before, and Gary Williams, who's, who's their coach, uh, he's a, he actually won back-to-back top four cups at under 18 level, I believe, with Bayswater in 27 and 2018. So... Um, for, for a long time, they've had very strong um, talent pool sort of come through at that club, um, and, and a lot of those players actually are like Ajak Riak um, have sort of joined over with with Williams at Kingsway. So, look, Bayswater just 
just keep producing, don't they? Um, I know the end of the under-20s game was a little controversial. ECU equalised uh, quite late on um, in that game, but then it was it disallowed. I actually didn't see the goal. Uh, and I'm not saying that to sit on the fence. I was genuinely preparing for the. Uh, I was genuinely preparing for the uh, for the women's NPL uh, game, which was on, which was due to kick off just after that one. So, um, yeah, and I, I did hear um, that there was a little bit of drama laid on there, but but there's no doubt that Bayswater are a strong team, and and obviously as we saw with with ECU as well in the in the men's NPL this year. Um, it's pretty clear their under-20s are, are right up there as well. So bright futures for both of those clubs. Yep, and then uh, 4.45 for on Sunday was the NPLW game and then the men's game, which capped off uh, the entire weekend at 7.15. So um, NPLW was, was it extra time and then penalties? Oh, my God, it yep. seems so yep. long yep. ago yep. now. Yep. Yeah, that depends. Yeah. yeah, love the penalties. Oh. Very exciting. Morgan, Morgan Aquino, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save the penalty yeah. and gave Redbacks the, the finals trophy, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's unreal, Aquino. And, 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 it's an, um, it, it was an interesting game, actually. I, it obviously it was nil-nil and it went the distance. Um, I, I think uh, Fremantle City probably had the better of the play in general. They, mm-hmm. they seemed to have more of the ball. but And as the half sort of, and as the game wore on, you sort of saw the Redbacks, uh, given that they had to play... Uh, 120 minutes and, pen- and went to penalties against Murdoch University Melville on a Thursday night. You could see that they were getting a little bit leggy, but both goalkeepers were outstanding um, in that match anyway. In the MPLW final uh, with, with Dale Schroeder as well was really good. Um, I, I think I mentioned last time I came on the show, but young um, Andrea Teixeira, um, who only came into the team and made her first start in the round 12 game against Mom FC, mm-hmm. has had an unbelievable final four weeks. She, she kept, um, she's kept Katarina Jukic quiet, which is <laughs> obviously hard to do. Uh, she, she didn't score against the Redbacks in either the semi-final or that round 12 game. And, and she's, I mean, what better place to, to learn your craft in the centre of defence than next to somebody like Kim Carroll with all the yep. um, experience in the world. She, she scored a decisive penalty as well in the shootout on the Thursday night in the semi-final. Um, so, so it shows she's got that level-headedness and composure to step up in the big moment as well. And um, I, I did sort of say it in the commentary, but I did sort of say, beware the Red Bats, because they have had that, they, they're an experienced team, as we know. They've obviously got that, that history um, in the Women's Premier League, but they've got so many players in that team who have, who have been there and done it. And they have had to battle injuries throughout the season, and they did start to get the likes of Carla Bennett um, back as the season progressed and, and wore on, and I think those two semi-final that those two wins on penalties just just sort of outlined um, the experience and, and that way of just getting the results. And, and, and all credit to Conrad McKelvey's um, team to not only perform in that game on Saturday in front of a big crowd and. And under the sort of pressure, particularly laid on with the penalties, but also to, to sort of grind out a result in the semi-final as well. It was it was really good management, I thought. Yeah, the Redbacks are up in the goldfields at the moment. Um, and is it Boulder City? We had the president mm-hmm. on a few weeks back. Yep. They're celebrating 120 years. They've got a big shindig this month. I forget which date it, <laughs> it is, but it's probably towards the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the Redbacks uh, had a uh, coaching clinic last night. And which appeared to be well attended by the community, which is fantastic. So I think it's their Gothia 
How do I say this one? The Gothia or Gothic Cup? Gothia. Uh, Gothia, yeah, thank yeah. you. I always yeah. get that on Peter Wright. It's going to be right on to me. Yeah, the, no Goths in Kalgoorlie, not no. that I ever saw. No. <laughs> so the, the Gothia Cup squad, because they couldn't travel because of obvious yeah. this year, mm-hmm. have gone up there to represent Perth, so to speak, and play against the Goldfields 11 and the state amateur men's team has gone up to play against mm. a, a rep mm-hmm. team as well. So they're in Goldfields mm. at the moment. Um, Goldfields uh, football is uh, pretty decent. Um, in terms of uh, quality and size, and they, I think they will play at the same place. They have a hub system there as well. I, I really like the idea of hub football. Yeah. Um, bringing it, it's an interesting concept. And when we talked earlier about uh, the Bunbury Carnival and Southwest Phoenix Hay Park and Bunbury United being at the same place, it always puts a smile on my face. It can have three clubs competing against each other in a league, training at the same place and using the same facility. It just seems in my head, it's just a strange thing to do. But what a great use of facilities. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, but you yeah. must you must possibly be drawing on the same resources though. I mean, the same mm. same area to draw players from. Yeah, well, particularly in the in the goldfields, being the size that it is, it just made a lot more sense. Um, the clubs regularly trained at, at different um, ovals, but they would play at, at the same oval mm. uh, on match day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one week you'd be playing on pitch A, and uh, next week you'd be playing away on pitch B. It was quite funny. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Albany do the same thing for their competition. Yeah. Yeah. Centenary yeah, yeah. Park or yeah. Centennial yeah. Park. A few more pitches there. down there, though. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Miranda, Miranda would have been down there for yeah. that one as well for the, for the Perth and TC game, and, and by all accounts, Miranda will obviously be able to tell us a bit better because she was there. But yep. um, by, by all accounts, that was that was well attended throughout the day as well. So. It's definitely something that's grown. I know the Perth Glory and Sorrento and the men's have done it for a number of years now. I did the Bustleson game last year, and that was a, a, a gorgeous day down down in the southwest, and, and it was well attended. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool thing to, to take the football to those areas and, and allow them to sort of get that taste. And, and you just never know. We may have a, a, an, an Albany side or a Kalgoorlie side in the, uh, the MPL um, or, or, the, or the lower echelons of the state league in the years to come. You never know. Peter Wright, you are onto it. I'm just on the World Football page at the same time. Man, he doesn't let me just slip one thing, all right? <laughs> I try and talk past things, but people catch me. <laughs> um, and, of course, the men's uh, NPL final, which was Floriette and Perth Soccer Club, and, and in the top six, bottom six, it was a, a bit of an anomaly, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was um, in the sense that, uh, the result was probably nothing that anybody would have expected. Uh, I certainly expected a much tighter game when I turned up. But then, ha- having gone home and slept on it and reflected on it the next day, um, Perth were in the lower bracket of the, the lower half of the top six with the way the format worked in the competition. And they obviously put in a massive effort to, to get past DCU after 120 minutes in, that, in the semi-final on the Wednesday night beforehand. Um, and I don't know whether it was a little bit of fatigue, Um possibly from that game, because there was a lot of emotion there. It was a sapping game, the wind and the rain. Um, but then I sort of, upon reflecting, which is what I was getting to before, Floria, they were, they were top after the 11 games of the first phase. They missed out on the league title in heartbreaking fashion, really. They only had to beat Coburn at home. Mm. Um, and then they went down to 10 men and slipped up in the final 10 minutes of that game and, and lost out to ECU on that dramatic uh, final day of the second phase. And then Obviously, they, they got their revenge against Coburn in the semi-final and, and carried that on against Perth. So, per- personally, having seen Florida quite a bit this season, um, I'm quite relieved for them that they've got something to show for their season because I think over the balance of the season from March all the way through until 
well, until today or, or until last weekend, they probably have been the most consistent team uh, over that six-month period. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy for Vasvijic, uh, Ante Kovacevic previously before him and, and obviously Dean Evans and the rest of the players that they managed to get to hold some silverware up uh, given that they have been pretty close on, on a few occasions in previous seasons. And we need to keep in mind that we say semi-professional or professional leagues, and, and we're talking about the women and the men now, we're talking a national Premier League, which is semi-professional or professional. Which one do you say, Tom? Semi-professional or professional? has to be semi, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I say semi-professional. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. yeah, there's money in the game and it's more structured and organised, and that's where we want it to head. But, I mean, everybody has a full-time job. Or they're a student. So they're coming in, they're playing football. And like you said about the massive 120-minute effort same week, mm. that is massive. I mean, you have a full-time job and then you train and you play these massive games. Mm. And uh, that, it's a massive, huge effort in, in the July to October kind of period of, of football to get all that in. And we're talking about the A-League fixtures coming and being a – six-month period and getting in those are 23 games. I can't remember how many they're yeah. going to try and fit in. And they're professionals mm. and they've got the daytimes to recuperate and do all their rehab and relax in between and then do their re- – and, and we have semi-professional players have similar timetables after their full-time work. Mm. So it, it's a hard gig, tough gig, and this has been a tough season. So, yeah, hats off and kudos to everybody who's been involved in getting players on the park this year and the club's up and running and – allowing their teams to compete in the competition and, and Football West to get the competition running. It's been a massive year. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I suppose the, the it, it, it was a little bit truncated given the way that the uh, coronavirus hit us. Um, but as you sort of touched on in your introduction, Penny, we're just really lucky to have football over here this season. Um, we did have to cram a few games in the midweeks, possibly took their toll on a couple of clubs in yes. terms of mm. uh, injuries and, and obviously... Just in general, the, the resources. Well, I mean, some some squads are aren't as deep as others, and and it's hard to back up, like you said before, um, to Saturday, to, to Wednesday, to Sunday, to Thursday, or to or to then back up in over two games of 120 minutes in four days, like the Redbacks did at the weekend. But mm. um, but we, we but it's just it we we just had to get the season away one way or the other. I'm glad we did that, and and. The projections, uh, with the way it's looking here, obviously touch wood. Um, but there's no secondary outbreak or circumstances change mm-hmm. um, here <laughs> for the worst. But um, all being well, we'll get back to um, a regular season uh, in 2021. And um, I suppose the positive is that with the late finish this season, it's a shorter off season until we start again in March. Yeah, yeah. yeah watch out, everyone. So we'll just cap off the, the local football by saying that the – Teams that are playing in the goldfields today, um, it's Northern Redbacks and the goldfields 11, 7 o'clock, and the men's um, state amateur against the goldfields 11 at 5 o'clock, and it's being live streamed by Football West. Awesome. So if you get onto footballwest.com.au, the Facebook page, I would think, is the easiest place to find it. Usually, yeah. yeah. The website is a – sorry, it's a little bit of a nightmare to navigate through. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm on it now. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Facebook page on uh, Football West is pretty um, detailed with all the streaming games. So I'm sure all the carnivals and everything that are coming up for Football West will be um, uh, live streamed or covered in some way on their Facebook page. Tom, I think we've covered everything. Do you agree? 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, like I said, it's been a big year. It's been a massive weekend as well. And um, obviously, big thanks to everybody from my point of view for, for their kind words throughout the year and, and much appreciated. And, and thanks for having me on the show throughout, Penny, and, and look forward to chatting more MPL. Uh, no doubt next year when the season gets up and running again. Yeah, I'm sure that um, we we won't find you doing nothing over summer. There's plenty for you to <laughs> jump in and commentate somewhere. I'm sure someone will say, yeah, Tommy's going to yeah, get for that I'm, job. Yeah, I might, I, might, I might be like a racehorse that's in desperate need of a spell for a little <laughs> while, but uh, so I, might, I, might, I might, need a spell, might need a spell for a couple of months and then I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be back out of the paddock in, in early January, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, leaner and fitter and ready to roll. Good one. Good on you, Tommy. Appreciate your time and you've done a fantastic job. Thank you for your time today. Cheers, everybody. Take care. All Good the on best. You. Bye, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Dolman, who's a match reporter for Football West, and you would have heard him across the NPL men's and women's, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, we've had some good comments from ladies and um, spectators at men's and women's games saying that they recognise his voice, they know who he is. He does an okay job. <laughs> <laughs> we, Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football. This is Hugh, Miranda and Penn on the World Football Program. Stay with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. We are one, but we are many, and from all the lands we come, we share a dream, and sing with one voice, I am, you are, we are Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Hugh and Miranda talking lots of football off air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a, a thought out there. Um, Miranda, tell us about that incident in the 
semi-final. semifinal. Yeah, so obviously with the Redbacks versus Melbourne game, there was a long stoppage for Emma McMurdo, who's um, suffered, suffered a heavy challenge and has actually broken her fibula, so wishing her all the best in her recovery. But she's hoppling along on crutches and a moon boot at the moment. So Yep. Yeah, so whew, um, towards the end of the season, um, yep. that's kind of whew, a little bit of a saving grace there, I suppose, in terms of recovery. I guess coming back into the new season, she'll be ready to rock and roll if she's feeling mentally and emotionally yep. ready and strong if yeah. the body's doing its thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've... Um, had my own experience with injuries before so um, and around the same time as well I had my surgery almost a year ago today and it is um, a blessing in disguise you do have the whole off season to focus on getting stronger and recovering but as a young player she would probably be looking towards a glory squad role and um, takes you out of contention for that but um, yeah yeah, certainly not out of thoughts, though. But no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so thoughts go to, to her and speedy yeah. recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, uh, sorry, Brennan, we'll introduce you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brent, Brennan Fantasia, Hay Park United coach. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thanks, Brennan. I uh, appreciate you joining us today. We were just talking about um, injuries in the last um, month or so of the season, mm-hmm. really. that There has been some real shockers, and I guess the upshot of that might be that uh, – most of the games that we can think think about have been live streamed at the top end of football, yeah. so we can share it and we can talk about it, we can see it, mm. and it's been a pretty intense season. Um, there's been a, a few games on the turf at the top end, uh, probably on a few turf pitches. Actually, who else plays on turf in Perth besides mum in the women's? I'm trying to think. There I don't think there's any be, men's games. No, no, there used to be when Beckenham Angels were in the league, they yep, played on, on Mills a turf, Park, yep. but they aren't in the league anymore. No. Um, might be something more in the future than there's been in the past, just yeah. with the redevelopment of facilities and water and all that kind of thing and merging of, of clubs. So, Bren, the upshot of that is we're just talking about it's been an intense season and there's been some pretty intense injuries that have occurred along the way, yeah. maybe because pre-season wasn't as um, long or because there's been more games packed in, yeah. especially at the tail end of the season. What's your thoughts on that, Brendan? Uh, yeah, we, um, down in Barmer, we had a You're fading away on us there, Brendan. (laughs) That's it. Talk nice and loud into the telephone for us. I was trying to talk nice and loud. (laughs) (laughs) Bunbury competition, we've had a fair few injuries. We've had um, lots of ankles and we've had a few broken legs. And I don't know whether it's the... um, fierceness of the competition down here, but like you say, the muscle strain with the quads and the um, hamstrings, calves, I don't know whether, like you say, the preseason wasn't as it normally is, but... Um, what have the quality of the pitches been like down there? Are they all grass? Oh, uh, yeah, they're all grass. We've got no turf pitches down here. We're um, lucky enough to have pretty good water supplies and um, all the pitches are fairly good covered. You got pretty good um, midgy supplies too down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you? Uh, so you, you keep breaking up on us there. So if I don't quite hear what you're saying, forgive me. But yeah, talking about the midgies and the Bunbury Carnival day one, which was a Saturday, I think it was the second game in. And someone did warn us, locals <laughs> did say, watch out for the midges. I'm like, yeah, a couple of mosquitoes, that's all right. We're used to that here in Perth. But, no, nah, man, there was a swarm that was like 
everyone was flapping everything and closing their mouths and, yeah. and gills and mosquitoes and um, insects just don't mix. So I think everybody <laughs> across all of the 17 pitches stopped at the same time and was just flapping. <laughs> yeah, like everyone was doing a dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they went though. That was good. They went and, and uh, yeah, it's just – Life is normal. I never came back. I, I don't remember, yeah, much after that. But the, the, the Bunbury Carnival was a pretty fantastic weekend. It got a lot of people together in more of a relaxed atmosphere, although there were some pretty passionate people on the sides. Um, <laughs> I, I have to admit that some of the young people out on the um, pitches towards the yeah outskirts were a bit passionate. Maybe there's some mouthfuls being given and I think, whew, I hope those young men are getting talked to. But um, generally uh, I found that everyone behaved well. There was lots of sunburn that happened, I think, which is Oof. not great, and a bit of windburn as well, I suspect. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of football being played and a lot of people catching up and saying hello, whereas they couldn't during the season for whatever reasons. And a lot of coaching and, you know, assessment happening in six or seven games of a weekend, it was, uh, you know, quite a good thing in that regard, bringing teams together and watching how they developed together. And maybe uh, clubs had brought new talent in guest players and whatever else to try to, you know, yeah, was, figure out to the yeah, following yeah. season. Yeah, there was a limit of about five guest players on yes. per team, which is good because you get to use the majority of your team and then, Correct. like you say, you can new players and work new ideas and you don't have to wait the week until the following week. You can have a discussion after the game and yes. 10, 15 minutes later you're warming up again and you can put those things that you bring into play straight away you're not forgetting about them, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And um, the Bunbury Carnival, well, it's usually run by the CCJSA, so the Country Coastal Junior Soccer Association. That's a mouthful there. They've got about 10 clubs in their uh, remit, uh, about 1,300 members or so, Mm. and quite a big area uh, for juniors um, to be involved with. But the Bunbury Carnival's been going forever. I don't know how many years it's been going. um, I remember um, playing when I was younger as an, as an adult player, but playing there. And I, I can't remember if there's always been juniors and seniors, but I suspect the junior part has only been maybe the last 10 or 15 years or so because when I remember playing, I don't remember juniors playing as an adult a long time ago. That was a huge yeah, looking at yeah, me. Yeah, no, 10 or 20 years yeah, ago. No, yeah. that would be <laughs> correct. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the times when I went down refereeing, it was uh, the mixed juniors and and seniors. Okay. How many years are we talking, do you reckon? Oh, decades. decades? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there was no well, – I remember it when there was no Southwest Phoenix in the middle. It was still black and white back then. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> For you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Brendan, has the three clubs always been at the same – sorry, the two clubs always been at the same venue because Southwest Phoenix only kind of been a new um, adventure, so to speak, for football there, but has the Hay Park and the – Sorry, who's the three that are down there? But Bunbury, Hay Park, and Southwest. Yes. Yeah. So have the two always been down there at the same facility? Um, so the facility there is only about four or five years old. But if you well, – so Bunbury Night has always been there. That's been their club room since probably, 19, probably 1980-ish. Yep. Maybe even earlier. So they've always been there. That's been their base location. Whereas Hay Park United was um, located probably – 600 metres north towards the shopping complex there. Yeah. But um, the facilities there weren't really up to scratch, so they've taken the opportunity to move in alongside the Southwest Phoenix, which helps uh, because before that, the pavilion was only used for Southwest Phoenix. 
which didn't really let the people in the southwest or in Bunbury enjoy the facilities. It was mainly the Perth teams coming down and everyone else like from the Metro with the MPL coming down were getting to enjoy the facilities. So a park have moved in there, which gives Bunbury and all of our surrounding players to showcase those facilities, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so when you're saying facilities, so for me, I I look at that whole entirely great big complex as the facility, but you're saying in the middle where the new park and the new club club room Mm. is, is that's the facility you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Hay Park Sports Pavilion, so that's that's a new facility, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so that's only a couple of years old, and that Hay Park moved there uh, probably three years ago. Yep. yeah, we won't look back now that we're there and everyone enjoying playing there on the weekend. So that gets utilised Saturdays for junior soccer, Sundays for Southwest Phoenix, as well as Sundays for Hay Park home games. Yep. Now, there's games played at that whole complex where all the pitches were um, all all year round or all soccer season. So Bunbury United is mainly on the southern side of the pavilion and then Southwest Phoenix and they part play in the fenced-off area. and But all around the side towards the badminton area where you were saying before about the language around the outside, those extra pitches, they're all put in just for the carnival. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, so I, I didn't see any senior games, but uh, I know there were 17 pitches in use. Yeah. So there must have been another part of the entire, I'm say, facility or the grounds where there was a senior competition happening over the weekend. Is that right? I just didn't see it because we were so no, far no, away. No, it was all juniors no, was this no. weekend. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I thought the senior and juniors played together yeah, on norm- the same weekend. Normally, but I don't think on uh, – well, okay. <laughs> We've got the expert on the phone. We'll, we'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brendan, tell us. Where, where do the – did they not have the senior part of the competition this weekend or this um, year? No, so there, there was no seniors mm. competition – Generally, the Bunbury Carnival is for juniors that I'm aware of. Like you said before, it's been going for that long. I'm 37 now, so I used to play there when I went to Country Week. And then we had the Bunbury Carnival, say, probably 20, 20 to 25 years ago, we would have been running it. And I've only ever known it as a juniors competition. But there are other competitions where the seniors do come down, but it's separate to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Carnival. No, you're right there, Brent. I think I'm uh, confused with the Margaret River uh, Carnival. Yeah. So we have the Margaret River yeah. and the Bustledon Carnival, which is down south, another hour and a half away for the seniors. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Are yeah. they on, are they on the same weekends? No, not normally. No, I've just got a bit uh, a bit befuddled. Uh, I, I should get a, which was which. I should get a calendar right yeah. and just put all the <laughs> tournaments of the entire year, so that when I talk on air, I know coming up is this weekend, everyone. Mm. And last week we're going to re- review this one that was in Margaret River. <laughs> There you go. Yep. L- lots of things on the football calendar, which is all good. And, I, you know, yeah, we were talking earlier about it's been a crazy old season and we haven't completed a, a full season as we would expect to and having a tournament at the end of the season has been great for coaches and uh, teams who want to go away and just play some more football with their team and work out, you know, review the season and work on 2021. So I did notice too, Brennan, by the way, I was doing a little bit of research on Country Week, which is a massive event run by Football West and CCJSA put seven teams in. So from the Bunbury area, there was probably a lot more than just those seven teams from the Bunbury area, but they had seven, which is pretty massive input. Um, that uh, There was a Tia Fantasia, and I'm guessing that that might be your daughter? Yes, that's my daughter. And she won fairest and best in the under-12 section. Are you coaching her? 
Yeah, so I've, I've coached her this day. Oh, I've coached her pretty much since she was a junior. Um, so, yeah, I coached her in our local league, but also I went to Perth as the under-12 CCJSA girls coach. Yep. Good job. Proud so, dad. Well done. <laughs> I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, just to give us a bit of a... Um, a, a wrap of country week. So it's teams that come from outside of Perth into that competition. Um, some of the teams that you played against, how far away would they come to be part of the country um, week event? So country week, we've had teams as far north as Carapa, uh, Geraldton. Um, first of all, we had Peel, which is obviously in between Bummer and Perth. So West Carapa and Geraldton are about eight and ten hours away, so they all fly down. Yep. And you've got Kalgoorlie or the Goldfields come mm. um, country week, and then you've got uh, did I say Albany already? No, Albany's for uh, six hours south of Perth, and we have Bustledon and Margaret River, which come up as the um, LNJSA, which is the Lewin Naturals. Yeah, that's a lot of travel, and from that they, well, Football West and various development programs identify players for various streams, could be NTC, could be state teams. I don't know how that's going to work out for next year with COVID kind of, I mean, it's all the travel that Football West have put in place to the Asian area over the past few years, and they have done a lot, teams coming, teams going. I don't know how that's going to work for next year. I guess it kind of depends on where COVID is and borders open and closed and how people feel comfortable about things and business opening up and the economy and whatever. A lot of questions still, but uh, still a lot of football being played, so mm-hmm. we'll be happy with that. Um, yep. In terms of the competition that uh, you're coaching and you're a part of down in the Bunbury area, give us an idea of how far teams travel to be a part of the competitions there. Um, so generally, well, some of them are very close. We've got four clubs down here within about five kilometres of each other. So we'll have Dynamos, we've got Bunbury United, Hay Park and Dalyup. They all run... Pretty much, if you follow the main street of Bunbury from the city centre south, about ten minutes to Valley Up, got four clubs, and they're like the probably three of the biggest clubs, or not the biggest, but with the majority of the players in Bunbury. So home and away games are only very short. But then we've got teams as far as Polly, which is an hour away. We got Harvey, which is 40, 45 minutes travel. We've got a um, team which is based in a little town called Bailing Up. Yep. Uh, that's they called the Blackwood. Um, Blackwood? The, the Blackwood got... Carnival, the famous Blackwood uh, yep. Carnival they have in September, I think. Yep. Did, that, that, did that go ahead this year? I don't No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, that one didn't go ahead this year. Yep. Yeah, so uh, 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 hang on, Brendan. I just have to say that it's quite amusing that you're saying as far away as Collie, right, being an hour. So we have teams in the competition here from Mandurah to Quinns, right, and mm. that must be like an hour and a half yep. of travel. With good traffic, yeah. 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 So, and that's in our local competition. That's girls getting up for an 8 o'clock game sometimes. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know as a parent you do that, yeah. <laughs> as they get further up in the age group, the times get – Later, later in the morning and yeah. we go, thank crikey for that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Collie and Harvey and whatever being three quarters an hour away, that, that's okay, Brendan, you're doing all right there. Mm. Yeah, but we've also got players that play for Blackwood, they're from Manjumup, so they're, they're an hour and a half down the road, which is a bit further travel, and some of them were actually kicking off at 8.30 in the morning as well in Bunbury, so yep. Yep. some of those four kids are up at 
six in the car for quarter past six for a kickoff at eight thirty. You know that's pretty hard going for mum and dad as well as the kids. Yeah. But got got yeah. to love it. And how does it work with Southwest Phoenix in the competition? I know from the female side of things, when Southwest Phoenix came in, they have had teams in the competition and out of the competition, and even is it uh, Bunbury Dynamos are in the Premier League or the next tier down of women's football? And they've or it might be State League Division One of women's, and they've done pretty well when they come in. I might be. I might be wrong about what the name of the team is, but they, they hop in and hop out of the competition at various times when they can get players because it's a big travel up and back, obviously. Southwest Phoenix have done the same in um, juniors and, and men's competition. How does it go with players and resourcing around the area with clubs in the local competition and then a club that has not like almost like an amalgamated team and draws from that local competition and then travels out of the area into Perth competitions? Yeah, so like you say, the, um, the Firebirds, so the ladies team for Firebirds. Yep. They've done really well this year. They've won their competition. It was a pretty strong team, I think. Yep. So they've got they got players. They draw from all of our girls' teams from, I think, about 15 years and older. So we lose a few players from our girls' competitions to the Firebirds, but it could be one from each club, so it doesn't really affect the playing numbers down here as such. Um, and then when you look at the juniors, so you've got the... What, under 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, junior Southwest Phoenix players. That, uh, what's their, probably 16, so 90 players that are drawn from our local competition that then go to Perth to play, but they're, they're seen as the elite players from our region. Yep. You no, know, and so they sort of take a little bit out of our competition because they're supposed to be the 90 best players from our comp, so that makes our competition a little bit weaker. But they're, for the, they're keen on the travel and they're enjoying it and um, it also showcases the talent that we've got down in Bunbury to the Perth region. Now, our Southwest Phoenix under 14, they won the Bunbury Carnival on the weekend, which is a pretty good achievement. Yep. That was pretty awesome for them. Um, but like I say, they are supposed to be an amalgamated team, but they, they get players as far south as Margaret River, Bustledon. Um, there's a couple from Banjumup. So they're, they're not just coming out of our local CCJSA. They're also coming from the LNJSA down south. And that's, that's a good thing for them to have the opportunity and the pathway to play NPL as well, you know. Yes. Yeah, just um, on the Bunbury Carnival, there was... 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, boys' competitions, and then 12s, 14s, 17s in the girls' competition. So there was 10 more teams in the competition this year than they had last year. So that's that's big growth. That's a, a lot of kids and a lot of teams wanting to come down, and they had teams on the wait list, which was great. So yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a legend competition. Everybody kind of knows the Bunbury Carnival mm. uh, and, and the bailing up one. I've got to say that's kind of – yeah. You know, the two of the iconic competitions, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there was 83 teams that attended the Barbara Carnival. Yeah, it's year. massive. Absolutely so, massive. Yeah, you so imagine that, the amount of preparation that goes into marking pictures and all those things. It's pretty yep. big effort and all their um, committee to run that. So, yep. that's awesome work. Well they did a fantastic job. And just to give some um, recognition to the winners in the 11s boys, uh, it was uh, Murdoch... Uni 
four, Sorrento Neil. I said that very slowly and calmly, didn't I? Yeah. Murdoch Uni Melbourne. So that's my team. Okay. Um, in the twelves boys, the final was Junlup versus Junlup United. Sorry, versus ECU Junlup. The winner being ECU and thirteen boys per soccer club. Versus Bayswater, and Bayswater won that one 2-0. In the 14s was Caramar versus the Southwest Phoenix. That was a 1-0 to Southwest Phoenix. The 15s, boys, ECU, Junalup, free, Mum, nil. So well done to Mum. Mum have seven, no, hang on, six teams in that competition, which is pretty good. I think that was the most of any of the clubs that had put in teams. In the girls, it was Caramar Shamrock, one, Perth Soccer Club, nil. In the 14s, it was Lakelands. That was the amalgamation of the state team NTC players. Um, They smashed everyone up. But um, well coached by Scott and it was was a very good team to watch. Yeah, and I know we've – when I was in state school girls back in 2015, I think, um, we would go down before we'd go away to our national championships as – use the Bunbury Cup as kind of a prep team and have a look at the team and it's always a good time. And we had a group of NTC players from under 13s that would go every year for like, I think we did three carnivals in a row, just keep that group together, which was really good. Yes, fantastic idea, builds camaraderie. And then in the 17s group, the final game was uh, Cam's Redbacks and Balcata. Balcata won that game 1-0. So... Well done. I don't know if they normally have finals or they just play competitions because in junior leagues generally there's no finals mm. up to 16s maybe. Yeah, I Apparently. think that's right. Yeah. 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 No, there's always finals at the Bunbury Carnival. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. There you go. Prestige one when you get the final. It was always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it was a massive weekend and uh, well done to absolutely everybody that made it happen. Totally well organised. Totally, totally well organised. And, uh, yeah, I'd be certainly thinking to myself, if I was a coach and that was the first time I'd gone down there, I might like to go back again with the team. So well done to everybody there. Brendan, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. Uh, appreciate you putting us across everything and uh, well done as coach and your daughter um, getting some recognition there in the country <laughs> week. Great job. And enjoy your summer of less football maybe <laughs> <laughs> if that's going to happen. Or not? You are you still there, Brendan? I think Brendan might have gone. <laughs> I think he's dropped out. I've just been talking to myself all this time. Brendan Fantasia, it's been fantastic having a chat to you, and we're going to go to a break and talk more football. This is Penn and Hugh and Miranda on the World Football Program. <laughs> that was just plain weird. There we go. Uh, I better put some ads up too yeah. first before I do that. That just threw me a bit off guard there. But, you know, I can get back on the track again very quickly. There we go. Just give me a second, everybody. There we go. Done. 107.9 FM, your local station. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. 
We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. My dream for Australian football is for it to uh, fulfil its potential, pure and simple. It doesn't have to be the number one sport in Australia or even the number two. I don't care about any of that. I just want it to fulfil its potential. And at the moment, we've, I would estimate, uh, fulfilled about 5 to 10% of its potential. We've barely scratched the surface. We've got such more growth in us, more clubs, more infrastructure, more supporters, more eyeballs on television, more success for the national team. Um, so there are so many things to aim for and to be excited about. Um, but all we have to do is fulfil our potential. The rest will take care of itself. It's not who we're playing against, it's the points. These guys are coming to our country to play for the most important points in the World Cup. This is it, we're at home. This is why we all play football. It definitely makes a difference when you see and you feel the passion from the fans and their noise and their support will carry us over the line. This is the world stage and whatever happens on here is down to you. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? Or giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Yeah, so back on, we're just going to, while we get some someone on the line, we're going to talk about the WSL, so the Women's England lead. So they're four games in at the moment and Arsenal are sitting pretty on top of the ladder, but Everton are also equal on points. They're both four from four. Um, and Chelsea, Sam Kerr with Chelsea, are sitting just below them with uh, three wins and one draw. And as for the Australian players, some of them are doing quite well. You had Hayley Razzo with um, a couple of goals last week and Caitlin Ford is also sitting equal top of the assist ladder with four um, assists to her name along with two other Arsenal teammates. So it's been, it's going to be a tight competition at the moment and Sam Kerr is slowly plugging away and I think she struggled to find some form early on in the season but is finding her feet and sitting equal fourth on the goal scorer's table at the moment. Yeah, it must be a big step up for, for Sam. I, I mm. know she spent more than a few seasons over in, a, in America in the, in the National Women's Soccer League. And, and as high as that standard was, I mean, this must be a stellar leap. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, um, we, we're now getting uh, – I've forgotten the, 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 the player's <coughs> name, but there's been a couple of um, Western Sydney Wanderers um, W League players signed to Inter Milan. No. AC Milan, sorry, mm. yeah. yeah, 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 sensational. I mean, the the standard of women's football in Australia is is well, second to none, I reckon. Mm. Yes, and actually, I was talking to um, Morgan Aquino's dad, the goalkeeper for Northern Redbacks, about the quality of football here and how you get lulled into a sense of this is the quality of football, but um, if you want to play and represent at a higher level, mm-hmm. you have to move out yeah. of what is high here to yeah. what is high somewhere else to get to the next level, which might be playing for the Matildas or in a professional league because mm-hmm. we're semi-professional here. Yeah. So you've got to push yourself outside of the 
the comfort zone. Now, we've got a guest on the line, Nick Gladys. Good morning to you. Good afternoon over your way, I suspect. Yes, it is afternoon. Thank you. Good morning to you in WA. Thank you for joining us, and I'm going to abbreviate the Association of Australian Football Clubs to AAFC because it rolls off the tongue really easily that way. Um, That's why we called it that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Um, We've just uh, been talking about um, how the fixtures have been released in the double – not the fixtures haven't been released, the first date of the first fixture, I should say. Be very specific because the fixtures haven't been released um, for the A-League and the W. League, uh, which is December 27, right around Christmas time. Should we be excited by that or is it is it something that we have a lot of questions about and we just got to go, hmm, we're going to see how this um, kind of rolls out up to that time. What do you reckon, Nick? Um, I, I think that there hasn't been much choice really. So in terms of whether we should be excited about it, I don't know that there's been much choice around it, but I think, look, it, it, when, when football starts, we should be. I mean, I'm all you know, obviously in favour of of the game getting up and going and, and being excited. But I don't know that we've had that it was a planned, um, been planned. I mean, COVID's come in, the Fox contract's been changed. Uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of force changes. So I don't know that this discussion was being had this time last year. We would be planning this sort of, um, uh, outcome. Absolutely. So, a little yep. bit forced, but we, but, but we live with it and we move on. And that's part of what, what we do across the board. Absolutely. And it has been, it, it's forced changes. Uh, and look, yep. let's be fair, in Australian football, we have been talking about how we can make things better, different, get more people to games, um, increase sponsorship, revenue streams, make the game more sustainable. There's a lot of things we've been talking about and it's kind of a hit the reset button. So uh, hopefully we've all been thinking about the same things, which is now, right at this moment, we have to all think about those things and have an action plan. Otherwise, we won't have football. We, yeah. will, we won't have revenue because after uh, June, the Fox uh, contract expires. Hyundai have withdrawn some sponsorship. Qantas have, have left the field. You know, they're major players oh. in keeping football going in Australia. Long-term major players. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So now we've got to be thinking about, well, okay, how does the sustainability of our entire game work? And, you know, we come back to uh, Nick in the studio right now. We've got three very grassroots people, uh, meant in the nicest kind of way, Miranda and (laughs) and you, where, where, you know, we we operate in um, a semi-professional or grassroots kind of level and to, to play professional sport in in this uh, country, it requires a lot of money to be put into it. And then we have junior football, youth football, senior football teams that travel out of Australia and money goes out. So what do we do about that, Nick? What's the answer to all of those things when we've pressed that reset button? Well, there's a lot in there. Yeah, you bet. Um, So so I don't know that I can answer all in one go. Okay, have a shot. Go on. Let me me just come at it from a slightly different different angle. And You know, you started talking about the A-League and the W-League and all that, and that's that's the top end of the game, as as we've said it. But what we're about, and AAFC, we represent all the NPL clubs around the country. Yep. Uh, and and of course, there's lots of other clubs that aren't NPL. There's, there's, there's you know, the grassroots all the way down to the, you know, the, the, the beginning of the first community grade moving up. And we think, and we always say that um, you can't build a sustainable fire if you don't have a good base. If, you, know, you can't just light it up in a, uh, with a bit of newspaper and expect it to last. You know, you've got to build, really build it from below. And grassroots is where it's all at. Yep. And you build from there. And yeah, you've talked a bit of national teams, and I heard you just before I got on talking about you know the strength of our women's game and Matildas and the like. But 
where, where sustained growth comes from is a really strong base. You, you can build something short term, but you know, and you can build something strong short term, and then you'll wonder why it didn't last. Yep. And what we we're about, we think, is you know, from AAAC's perspective, is we've got a lot of clubs around this country, a massive resource that we're just not utilising well enough. Um, because we've sort of called an NPL, we've, we've conscripted them to a purpose of producing just players, sort of letting the clubs grow, letting them all find a level. And so, you know, where I come from is, a, you know, so there's an individual in life, I probably a little bit on the on the lefty side of politics where, you know, it's almost, you know, let's help those who are downtrodden. But when it comes to sport, it's all about letting people, you know, it's sort of market rules, let, let people find their level. Let's not try and regulate it too much and overdo it because... We, we stop it from growing. We, we impose restrictions from the top that might not reflect what's happening, what's coming from below. So what we're about is let, let the game really um, develop below. Let people who want to bring in money and players and uh, into the game, let them do it. And let it all filter up. Filter up into the A-League, filter up into the W-League and from there into our national teams rather than constrict everything towards making um, the top work and forgetting about what's below, because it just doesn't sustain. That's what we're seeing, I think, and what we're seeing with the A-League. And it just hasn't sustained itself because the link with every, the whole you know, infrastructure and the pyramid of the game has been severed. And after a while, that becomes obvious, and then we end up having these conversations. What do we do? Oh, I have questions. Yeah. I have questions, yeah. Nick. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, it, it, we, we need to comply with the AFC inclusion yep. uh, criteria, which is having a second tier. Um, yep. But our first tier of football is struggling at – well, I, I think it's struggling at the moment in that there are some clubs that are sustainable and doing okay and other clubs that are not. So it, yep. the league on the outset to us all and maybe – to the community in general, doesn't look like it's a strong, viable, sustainable league. I th- no. think we can all agree to that. So yes. you're saying, all, all, all right, you're recognising that. We've got to build from the grassroots yes. below up. Yes. Totally agree with that. How do we connect all all of that second-tier football or NPL football so that it can provide that? It, you're saying that's going to be the second tier. If um, you know, Perth and Northern Territory and Tasmania can't, connect, they can't travel across borders. How do we even connect that? Well, well, we can't at the moment, but we'll be able to travel, I think, soon enough. So what we what we are about is having a true second tier for a start. At the moment, what we've got is the NPL, which is the sort of nominated second tier, working out of different states. But we say that that's not a, a true second tier. If you look at it sort of pictorially, we've got 10 or 11 Australian clubs at the top and plus the New Zealand team as the A-League. And just at the moment, I'll speak about the A League, not the W League, just so we can have this conversation in yep. a sense. And then, uh, and then of course, um, below that, you've got you know well over a hundred. And it depends how you want to define and how many NPL divisions there are in different states. Like there's more in Victoria than there are elsewhere, and etc. But let's just say, call it a hundred. You can't have a division one is ten round numbers, and division two is a hundred. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're missing it. There's a huge gap that you're missing there. That's one point. And the other one I need to make is that. Um, the A-League's struggling, but, you know, what's first and what's second and what's third doesn't have to meet any arbitrary standard. It just is what it is. And what we've done is, I think, by our perspective, is that the A-League is, a few years ago when it all started, we set it at a particular level. We decided this is what it's going to be, and, you know, we, we licenses were sold, criteria were included in participation um, agreements and, and licenses that said, these are the standards that you will meet, and they will be A, B, and C. Well, that's all wonderful. 
but that might not reflect the reality of the Australian game. The model and is incorrect. Yeah, yeah mm. that's right. But, you know, it's okay for you and me to set up a business and say, you know, we're going to sell widgets, and this is what we'd like to do. Well, that's great, but after a while, when we realise that it isn't working at that level, we'll have to, you know, recast it, restructure it. Now, we can't do that if we've sold off all our, our franchises and you know, the franchises say, well, actually, no, I've bought, bought my way in. I'm not happy to do this. I want to stay in. So you, you create a bit of rigidity in the system, which is what I think has happened. We think it's happened. So at the moment, we've got an A-League that will sit at a level, which clearly it doesn't reflect, um, the, you know, the Australian level of the game. And that's not a good or a bad or a different thing. Our game is where it is. I and mean, if, if we allow the first division, call it just the first division for the sake of, you know, terms, to be the best, whatever the best is. And if the best is, you know, as, as equivalent as, you know, the Spanish league, fantastic. And if it's 10% of that league, well, that's where it is. And the second best is the second best and so on. But what we've tried to do is create uh, sort of an arbitrary standard for the best and then trying to meet that. And we're just not meeting it. And what that does is, as well as then it affects the rest of our game, because suddenly those people who have bought into the best, so to speak, because you know, they've purchased licences, they're saying, well, hang on a minute, we've spent all this money, yeah, and A, to buy, and B, to, to keep it afloat, and now we're not, we're sort of want to get our money back, and we therefore want A, B, and C to get our money back, which holds up the rest of the game. Mm. So we've just created a rod for our own back and a standard that, you know, we don't need to meet. And it's just like, let's be what we are. We are a game in Australia. We're not necessarily the, the, the biggest game. And let's accept what we are, love our sport, build our clubs as they've already been built, and let the best of those clubs be the best, and that's the first division, and the second best be the second best, and let there be linkages up and down so there's aspiration, and people don't say, oh, well, I've been given uh, a spot in the third tier. That's where <clears throat> my lot in life is forever and a day. And let's see where that leads us. And I think we've just gone about it back to front. That's just that's our view. So that so that, now what we, yeah. that that all makes sense. I still have more questions though. So you, you keep raising <laughs> questions in this conversation, Nick. So, um, but this well, is good. We, this is good, right? We're having a good discussion. Mm, so, mm. so if the NPL is the second tier, then yeah. and it's a very big country. So the NPL mm. is from Tasmania to West Australia to Northern yeah. Territory. That there can't yeah. be a, a strong. League between those teams because they're so far away and financially it would not be well, cost effective. Well, there can be, it can be. And I just stop, just stop on the travel because I think. Sorry, if I could just stop you on the travel point. Now, that's yep. one of these common uh, points. And look, and it's a fair point. Obviously, there's the cost of travelling. I mean, we're going to agree on that too. Yeah. So, so uh, but that doesn't mean that um, that that additional cost. So let's assume right now, you know, you're a team in New South Wales or or Tasmania, Victoria. And you've got your, whatever your costs are. They are what they are. And you've got to add to those some costs. One of those costs, you've got to, that's to be in a, in a standalone second division. And if you're going to play each other, you're going to have, say, 16 teams across Australia that are the next tier. And they are, they're drawn from the NPL, let's say. And they're drawn from across the country, let's say. Then, um, sure, there are travel costs. And they are not there now, and they will be there later. So we've got to meet those costs. So what we are building as our model, as part of what AAC is doing, is we're looking at those additional costs, and they're not just travel costs, there'll be other additional costs too, um, But and then we're looking at the additional revenues that will come from that. And if it marries up, as we think it will, but we're still working on that, of course, and we'll produce a reporting shortly about all that, then there it is, it works. And remembering we're not for profit. So unlike you know, A-League teams that are shareholder-owned and there's therefore 
a profit motive. All our clubs are not for profit. So any money that comes in goes out and that's all it's got to do is balance so that they don't obviously go broke and they become unsustainable. Theoretically, that sounds awesome. Morning, Nick. I know theoretically and I know we've got to come up with a bit more money and I know that initially it may be that there may only be one team from, say, a WA uh, or a Tassie and the travelling that you know, we've got to work through, say, in year one or year two might have to be you know, worked up in a way that there's some, a common pool of funds from you know, the, the eastern board states, Queensland, um, New South Wales and Victoria to make that part of it sustainable. But we've got a lot of work done on the travel costs and they're not, as, they're not that huge. The A-League's costs, biggest cost is not travel. They've got other huge costs. So you have to remember that that's the other part of it. We're not going to be spending on wages and on, on player and administration and the like, the sorts of money that that, that tier spends. So it's, it's the travel component is only a component. Yes. And we won't necessarily be playing overnight all the time. Sorry, late games, so therefore there's overnight stays. So we, so we will start at a sustainable level, and sure, we'll try and grow it from there. Okay. That's where we go. Morning, Nick. Hugh here. Um, I've been having a look at your plan of action for the Vision 2021. Um, yep. In regards of cost, you, you've got there... Uh, a section about the the introduction of fees and training compensation. Can can you tell us a little bit about that? Because with our game, that that's a foreign concept for for Australians. So so how would that work at, at your level? So so Hugh, was what were you referring to? The, the introduction of uh, transfer fees and training compensation. Yeah, well, that's the, that, that's what the um, uh, it's part of what the FFA is doing. Yeah, um, and, and 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 so what they're they're wanting to introduce for Australia is. Um, a transfer, a transfer fee system, and a training compensation system, which we, which we sort of don't. Well, they want to develop that a bit further than what the, the minimal that we've got now, and that's something that's really more an FFA, um, an FFA measure. We've supported that. We've said that um, as AAFC, we've said that you know we do need a transfer system in, in the Australian game, so that um, clubs that produce players uh, at, at the grassroots level and the NPL level don't just lose them um, for for nothing to um, elsewhere. In, say, in Australia, obviously, if you play a transfer, overseas, uh, training compensation applies and it's enforced through FIFA and then down through FFA. Uh, but there are other problems with that that it's a whole lot of conversation about actually securing that money yeah. from overseas clubs. Um, but in Australia, uh, it's um, if we introduce it in Australia, well, then that's much easier to administer because that can be done through the FFA. And the idea would be, and you, you set up set a benchmark, and you say, well, right, your club, your club A, you, you fall within a particular category, you produce a player, you know that player goes to Perth Glory, uh, and X dollars is payable um, to the club below, and that's part of what what's being proposed at the moment. And if you and if you're a player on a senior contract with a, a professional contract, and it's different to a junior player who signs their first contract, which is where training comp applies. But if you're a a player on a senior professional contract who transfers, then transfer fees apply. Now, I haven't yet you know, seen all the rules and got on top of all the way the FFA will ultimately propose that works. It's more a matter for the FFA to answer. But that's, that's how that system would work, you. Yep. Okay, thank you. Nick, um, just to, to, to wrap for everybody, the, the A-League does start December 27, yep. and yep. Uh, there are 12 teams on the table, um, MacArthur, yep. Adelaide, Brisbane Raw, Sydney, Melbourne City, Wellington, Phoenix, 
uh, Western United, Perth Glory, and I, I said that really slowly and unsurely because Perth Glory have kind of been decimated with so many things in the last couple of months. We'll get on to that one later. Yeah, um, Newcastle Jets, Western Sydney Wanderers, Melbourne Victory and Central Coast Mariners, which have all got, uh, you know, well, not all, but the Central Coast also got some things happening there. But um, 12 teams in the league, it's going to be starting. Um, there's some clubs that really have to do some work out there to, to really be a force in the A-League. And you were talking about changing the model and it, it, it's there's allegiances and, and licenses and all these kind of things. And I agree with everything that you're saying there. And we've had Simon Hill on the show for many, many years, and one of his bugbears has been that if a model isn't working, then how, you know, how do we change it? But people have these investments in the game at that top end, a lot of, a lot of money, and if we bring in a second tier, how does that – affect their license and their investment and then how do we kind of change things so that everybody's happy and really the football community needs to be happy with a sustainable model at the end of it? Well, my first comment there is, and I said this assignment as well, is that, sorry, but I don't care about, and I don't mean that in a callous way, but what I mean by I don't care is that it ought not matter for the game um, what the private owners have spent or might be spending. I mean, they've made a decision, they're all business people, and they've brought a licence into a league. That's okay. Right? I mean, whatever we, you know, certain people thought about it at the time it was done back in the early 2000s, that's, that's, those days are gone. We are where we are, and we've got an A-league, as you say, and that's fine. And I'm not interested in sort of, you know, going back, and there's some people who are still hung up on why and how and where and why not my club, and thinking, well, guys, it's 2020, 2021 coming soon, let's, let's move on. Definitely. But at the, at the same time, we can't we, we, we can't allow our, the game as a whole to be um, effectively hamstrung or, or held to ransom, but not in an intentional way, but held to ransom in the sense that we've got to accommodate sort of this, this big thing that's sitting in the middle of it, which is the A-League and, and their losses. Now, the A-League owners have come out publicly time and again, and they're not making any secret of this, and in fact it's their claim for, for you know, further concessions sometimes, and it was their claim for... A, say, a bigger say on the Congress of the FSA, that they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars collectively. That's what they say. So the owners come out and are publicly make the point, we have lost hundreds of millions, and I think 500 million is the latest figure of heard. Now, okay, uh, that's what's happened. At the same time, that's happened as well. Like, you know, their the introduction happened, and we can't be hung up on that. And we should not now be hung up on what has happened to these owners. They've got to, put, they've got to do what they've got to do. So I, I just don't see that we should be worrying how the rest of the game operates by reference to those losses. I'm sorry, but they've happened. Yep. They've got to wear them or, you know, wear them or get out. And, but also, for what it's worth, and I'm not the guy who owns the licence and I, I don't purport to be in their shoes, but for what it's worth, if I were in those shoes, I'd be saying, link the game up as soon as you can, introduce people from below, uh, make them feel like they're part of it because within, within a short period of time, the club that they belong to might one day qualify for the top tier three merit, and I think you'll find eyeballs go through the roof and start looking at the A-League, which is what they want. Yes. So there's a win-win available there yes. from our perspective. Link the game, and not immediately, just create the second division, put that tier in place, let it grow, and then say, right, give it two or three years to, to operate, and then from there we'll have a look to link it. And if you do that and you announce that, I think there'll be tremendous goodwill involved in that and a, and, and a, re, and a sign of... Look, we are looking to unify the game, and I think people who 
and maybe been disaffected or bored or otherwise distracted away from the A-League might join it again. And look at it. That, that's my, my version of what we would what we should do. Yeah, I think, Nick, what I take out of this conversation is, because uh, we have to wrap it up with our next guest, uh, is it I'd like to have you back on the show so we can talk more because there's plenty of questions <laughs> that we'd like to talk through. And uh, eventually when yep. you and your um, uh, you know, conglomerate of clubs find the answers, you can share them yep. with us and we'll share them with our listeners as well. We'd like that. Yep. Well, well, that's what we're doing. And just I'll finish, we're preparing a model that we are going to share with the media and everyone else. And it's for discussion. And we're going to produce something before the end of the year as a draft. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily all the answers, but it's an answer that we think will allow other answers to, to evolve. You know, we're not running the game. We're not the governing body. But we are. We represent clubs that around the country collectively have, you know, so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of members um, represent 30-plus thousand participants. And if those people are, are sort of are attracted to the game and, and engaged in, in a more um, direct manner, we think the whole the linking that that will provide will be fantastic for every, all of us. Yes, top and bottom and every, everybody in between. Yes, uh, Nick has been fantastic having a chat to you. Early, do appreciate your time today, and uh, we will give you a call so you can come back again. Okay. Yep, thanks very much and all the best. Good luck with what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, stay safe wherever you are. Um, and, yep. uh, you know, our thoughts to everyone across Australia in this really yep. tough, challenging time. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank okay. you. And uh, bye. 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 Bye, Nick. That was Nick Galatis, the AAFC chair. Um, a lot of information there, and I like what he's saying. Um, new models have to think forward. How do we connect it? Grassroots, all the right phrases. Mm. Yep. No, he's right. You know, 30,000. Participants, you know, how, how do they get a voice? Well, this is one of the ways and, mm. and probably one of the better ways. Yeah, yeah. Got to find the win-win for everybody to get everyone on board. That part is clearly difficult. Um, we should man- mention that the Perth Glory having a charity match Sunday, October 25, 2.30 at Dorian Gardens uh, includes family fun activities. Proceeds to the PCH and Telethon. Um, that's the Perth Children's Hospital by the way, um, Jamie Hanwell, Scott Miller, Gareth Navin, Tash Rigby, um, Kim Carroll, uh, at least video, etc. players will be there, so men and women playing. And there will be information on the World Football page about that, Sunday, October 25, um, Perth Glory charity match. And Dave Kindness is listening in. Good on you, Dave. Appreciate that. Really appreciate everybody um, sending messages or posting to Facebook saying hi. Feels free to post to Facebook and give a shout out to other people. That's yep, and that's, that's listed Perth Glory Legends versus uh, the Perth Children's Hospital Doctors. Gold coin donation. So, yep. you know, give more than that. Absolutely. That's uh, 2.30 Sunday, October 25. And uh, a shout out to Chris Harold, who's retired at the age of 28. Now, yeah. Chris wasn't playing for Perth when he retired, but no. played for Perth for, you know, a fairly mm-hmm. long time um he's actually been studying as a lawyer and has now finished his degree and i suspect that's what he's going to step into but interesting 28 is prime age for a footballer yeah. but he's yeah. clearly seen the the environment that football is at the He'll moment be involved and decided in that game to... so it'd be interesting to see how many rings he runs around everybody <laughs> wow yeah he's a pretty slick operator i think um we are going to move on because we've got another guest in stephanie branch from abc up next this is pen and hugh and miranda on the world football program thank you for listening in and keep listening in radio, radio Fremantle 107.9 fm West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. 
four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was a great introduction. That was, um, I call that the women's football Matilda Steph Branch promo. (laughs) (laughs) Good afternoon, Steph. How are you going? (laughs) My own promo, my dad. Hell yes. (laughs) Yeah, if you you appear more than once on this program in a year, you become a regular and we develop a promo for you. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm feeling very special. How are you all? We're very good. Well. We're, we're very good, especially from my point of view, good because they've announced the first fixture date for the W League and the A League, December 27, which in my mind keeps um, getting interpreted as the fixtures are out, but it's not actually. It's just that, well, there's a first date, which is the start of something, right? Something. Uh, it's, the, it's the start of planning towards something. Yeah, 27th of December, uh, mark it in your diary. Yeah. Uh, the fixture list won't be released until November, I believe. Uh, and we're looking at a final series for the W League in uh, somewhere around April uh, with the guys finishing in the middle of the year. Uh, so at least we have something to work around. And I, I think there's a fervent hope that the borders open before then because I can't see how the W League goes ahead if the borders are still closed. So yes. fingers crossed that uh, everything continues. Uh, in fact, I think it's your lot that need to open the border. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're the, you're the ones keeping us all out. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Look, you know, I, I keep saying it. Thoughts go out to some of the states in Australia. Melbourne's having a really tough time. I mean, I talked to some of oh. our guests uh, off air in Melbourne and it's like, we are in lockdown and you guys have just had your season. You've got your finals. There's mm. no social distancing. We can see it on the live stream. What are you doing? <laughs> So, yeah, I feel very lucky. We've, we've had our season. Um, we have done okay here and are doing okay. And 
And fingers crossed, Steph, that uh, by December 27, um, Australia will be in a lot better position, not just for our sport, but for other sports as well. And the borders will be open and there'll be some travel happening. Lots more Absolutely. travel. Absolutely. It's gonna, mm. And it's going to be a very, uh, very busy time of year. And uh, of course, all of this is uh, leading up to an interesting season where we're not quite sure who we're going to see on the park, but it's a massive opportunity for our younger players to come through. Yeah, it is. And I keep thinking about that and I keep hearing different people say that and I wonder how that's going to affect the quality of the competition that we are going to want to promote outwards. And now it is all being uh, digitally recorded. Uh, It's live streamed. Everyone around the world can get access to it. Is it the look we want to give to our game? Uh, do you know what? It's a, it's a tricky one. It's not going to be the same as the W League in the past where we had all the Matildas uh, here. Certainly Melbourne City uh, is going to look very different because mm. every single one of their starting 11 is overseas. Uh, so we, we are going to see different players on the park. I think it'll bring the competition much closer together, though. They, there won't be those, those top four clubs that we always see. Uh, it's going to be quite a, a hotly contested uh, w League, and no, it's not going to be the, the same probably quality of play. However, it's an opportunity to see your, your Matildas of, of tomorrow, and there will still be good players here. I mean, you've got the likes of Kyra Cooney Cross, who was in the Matilda squad that's uh, still playing here in Australia. Uh, not too many others, uh, unfortunately, from that national team level, but yeah, who, who knows who we're going to see. We're going to see the next Sam Kerr, we're going to see the next Ellie Carpenter coming through because we kind of have to. Yes. Yeah, and that's a positive. Mm. And, and I can tell you that there are still uh, some of the American girls who are looking at coming over. We, we will have internationals over here, uh, borders permitting. But uh, the, the plan is that I think certainly the Wanderers have, have reached out to a couple of theirs. So, you know, we will see the players that aren't in Europe coming back over, whether there'll be guests available. I don't know if that's been announced. Uh, and we can get some of the players from the um, the... Women's Super League in, in the UK, that remains to be seen, but I believe they have a break over December, January, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And then they can come back, yeah. Yeah, and I do think so, that... So um, we'll see. Yeah, I think the FFA, what they've um, released with the structure, would make it seem that they're using this season of the W League to kind of nurture their young players. They've released somewhat of indicating that there'll be a two... Rather than a FIFA international break, as they usually had in the past, a... a two-week break where the Young Matildas qualifiers will be held in March. So um, that probably indicates that they are planning to have a lot of Young Matildas in the league and playing regular football. So, um, yeah, I think it's obviously a great opportunity for young players. My biggest question for our W League is can we still attract players from overseas? Will they be allowed to come in like can can we attract them will they still see our w league as a place they want to come to and will we allow them in like if they have to come in and quarantine because we know players have come and gone i mean Mm. sam kerr has come and gone for promos and things so they can come and quarantine and still be a part of the league will they want to do that will we allow them to do that i think there will be some that will want to come just for that i think for the u.s players the the players that play predominantly in the U.S. competition, they need something to fill in that part of the year. Yep, so for yep. them, it still works. As, uh, even if it was a, I don't want to say glorified training run, but you get the 
the kind of point that I'm making even, <laughs> is that they are still playing uh, competitive football and they will stay match fit if they can come and play, you know, three, three and a half months over here. I think we would let them in, whether it's a hard quarantine or not. Uh, you know, they'd have the time to prepare for that. They'd need to start probably coming over. Well, they'd need to be here in a month, wouldn't they, to do any sort of pre-season. Um, and, yeah, I, I think they, they would... They would come over. Uh, it's it's not the same as attracting those those top star players, but I think for some it will work really well. Again, though, and I can't stress this strongly enough, we need to make sure that the teams can move around Australia because unlike the A-League where there was uh, certainly at that point earlier this year the money to hub uh, the different clubs, with the W-League that just doesn't work. We've got mothers, we've got students, we've got women who are working to still support their career uh, and it's just not feasible to put the W League in a hub. I just don't think we can afford it. So uh, that that is the first step that has to happen and once that happens then we can look at bringing the players in. But I can tell you 100% I've heard of uh, three or four players who are looking at coming over. Yes. Uh, we, we need it for lots of reasons. We, Women's World Cup Australia needs to develop a environment of football and create mm. uh, opportunities and um, develop the players, and if the players in America, because that they've had their they had their hub system that there was a Challenge Cup. I can't remember the name yeah, of it. Challenge yeah, Challenge Cup. Yeah. So mm. you know, they've yep. they've had their competition. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're doing from now until whenever. I don't. Mm. I know, usually their plans are out there in the the media all over the place about what the United mm. States team's doing. But um, I mean, in film, me if there's information, mm. you, you guys. I, th- but, I think they're ticking away slowly, um, quietly from the social media of some of the players that were in the glory squad last year there are games going on in america but just under the radar i think yeah yes yes Mm. and And you've got a couple who are trickling over to the uh to the uk yeah yes definitely that's becoming the place to be steph over in the uk which um that might (laughs) that might be where um tony gustafson is going to end up where he has a camp Mm. And it'll be over there because that's where all our senior players are going to be and cost-effective-wise and he can go and do his quarantine or whatever he needs to do to land there and they're already there and, yeah, I know. No, you're absolutely right. And certainly for this November camp that's been uh, mooted, that will be, I believe, held in London, which kind of makes sense because uh, all those players are within a stone's throw, even with Carpenter in in France and, and the girls are in Spain. Excuse me, they're, they're not that far away and they can all, at this point, still still travel in for that camp. My understanding is that Gustafsson will be uh, uh, supervising and, and in an observing capacity only for this camp because he doesn't actually start till the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for him to sort of nip down from Scandinavia is not that difficult, really. He's still with Hammerby, of course, uh, and he will start officially in January, but it makes perfect sense for him to be based over there while all this first team is there. Um, I, my understanding is that we are taking uh, some coaching staff uh, from over here and uh, the rumour I've heard is that it would be the, the likes of Ray Dower and Mel Andriata that travel over to actually take control of the camp. What that means for them quarantine-wise, I have no idea. It sounds like they'll be in quarantine longer than in camp. <laughs> we'll just see, see what happens and I've not yet heard uh, how many uh, we'll travel from Australia as far as uh, playing troops troops yes. go. So uh, I would feel a little bit out of the loop if I was living in Australia and wanting to be part of that Matilda setup. I think it's tricky because you're 
almost out of sight, out of mind at the moment. Mm. And that's something we need to rectify. We need to make sure that those here are just as much uh, in contention as the ones over there. Yes. I, I kind of felt a few decades ago when I was on the cusp of all these Matilda squads, et cetera, um, that that's how we felt over here in Western Australia, mm. just mm. on the outside of things. Mm. And you'd have to yeah. move, relocate to be in inside the circle. Yeah, so yep. you know, yep, now... No, I, I can completely understand that, but now it's, of course, the, the W League that's sort of eradicated yep. that internally on a domestic level, yep. but now the, the whole competition seems to just have shifted. It's uh, all overseas, and it's, it's because of COVID. It wouldn't be that big a deal if it wasn't because of the challenges that, that the, the pandemic has inflicted on all of us. So could there have been another model that was... It, it, let's say theoretically, the FFA recognised that this might have happened, thrown a stack of money and sponsorship into a W League and invited players from all over the world to come to Australia rather than it happened in the UK. So do you like that model? So this, is, this, is, this, is our par- <laughs> this is our parallel university. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Is rich is that that one? Exactly, because it's the safest place in the world here, right? So once they're here, I'm we keep them here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it sounds great, and let me know what your lotto numbers are. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's okay. I don't believe in lotto. I just work harder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just on the W League uh, squad roster for our listeners out there. So there's nine teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be any changes. There's no talk yeah. about that. No. Um, and there's four clubs with no players on their roster, and I have to say Perth Glory are top of my list for zero at the moment. Um, unknown coach, unknown player roster. We just don't know anything, and if anyone wants to infill me with texting me or Facebooking me or shouting at me right now, please do we it. We know the shirt colours, though, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Did you want a job as coach? <laughs> um, so, well, I, I hear that she's got the uh, fabulous shirt on, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yep. the uh, the Glory W League breast cancer shirt on. Yep. Oh, look, and I'm taking a photo, and I'm and I'm going to put that onto the Facebook page. Good job. <laughs> All right. So Excellent. we've got uh, Perth Glory, Brisbane Raw, Melbourne City, and Newcastle Jets at the moment have uh, zero on their player roster. Although Melbourne City have, well, I think is Rado Vidasic appointed as their coach. Has that been known? Um, I'm not I'm sure. Not sure yeah. Okay, so more questions. Okay, so Adelaide actually have nine players on their roster with their coaches Adrian Stenter, and then yeah. Canberra have got seven players on their roster with uh, Vicky Linton. I, I travelled away with the Australian team with Vicky many many moons ago. <laughs> she's awesome, so she's got my vote. Uh, she's a good chick. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Newcastle Jets have Ashley Wilson. I think he's appointed yep. as their coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melbourne Victory are three players and the coaches Jeff Hopkins, uh, Sydney FC. Well, they've got 16 players on their roster and mm-hmm. anti. Yeah, they, they announced their roster yep. quite some time ago. They yeah. did. Very organised. Yeah. Very organised. And Western Sydney Wanderers have 11 players and Dean Heffernan. So they're yep. doing okay. Yeah. 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 Um, further to what you said about changes, I had a tasty little rumour that I could share with you yesterday <laughs> that Ooh, Wellington, should not be, <laughs> Wellington should not be discounted. Apparently yeah. there is uh, there's something afoot to try and get them in this season. And what do you know about Wollongong, Steph? <laughs> well, if you're dropping rumours, let's hear another it was one. Only Wellington. It was, okay. It was Wellington. It wasn't Wollongong. Uh, but David Dome had said if they won the World Cup bid, then he would want to, to include a team. And uh, I think that the sensible thing for New Zealand to do is to put all their domestic playing 
uh, internationals into a Wellington Phoenix team and have Tom Simone coach them. Mm. It, it makes yeah. perfect nice. sense. Yeah. Yes. Do I need to have a word to Tom? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I've been trying to hassle Tom to find out whether uh, that's actually the case. And they said, oh, well, when you find out, can you let me know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we do know about the W League that there will be 14 rounds, six home and six away. So that's some information that we do know. There's, there's still so many questions, isn't there? Gee whiz. Mm. And we were hoping that this year we'd move closer to that full home and away season. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the planets have not aligned once again. But you would, I, I think she will, I can't remember if it was Marion Lippert mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago about leading into the Women's World Cup. The, the W League needs to stay strong. Mm. Uh, you, you don't have a declining domestic league when you've got the world coming to play on your doorstep. So uh, it, it, it has to succeed in, in some way, shape or form. And I, I hope that this is just a, a COVID blip. And, and the following season will be back uh, stronger than ever. With Well, at least we've still got a naming rights sponsor. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed in the press release it said A-League and Westfield W-League. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, a- absolutely. And and we did talk about the A-League, uh, well, and generally in football in Australia, uh, with sponsors exiting over the past 12 mm. months. I mean, Hyundai was a massive mm. one. Um, was it, sorry, Caltex or Qantas, I can't remember, now, yeah, and the deal with Fox ends as of June, which is why we're squeezing in the A League season yeah. before then, of mm-hmm. course. Yes. So, uh, but I haven't heard any talks of who might be on the horizon from anyone, and I don't know what does that mean. D- does it mean is this a silly thought that the massive numbers of players playing football and giving their registration income to FFA could fund us? in some way if we change the model? I mean, we keep saying we're the biggest participation sport in Australia, so if we change the model somehow, could that fund us? Do you know what? I think that's a possibility. There's uh, bigger brains than mine sort of work out all this sort of stuff, but I know that uh, certainly over our side of the country, I'm not sure how it works in in Perth with uh, football uh, WA, but here there's so many little pieces of that pie that get Chipped off. I, I don't think FFA actually ends up with that much money out of player registration mm-hmm. at that level. But we've got you know a couple of hundred thousand players registered playing the game. But each, so so if you look at it like governments, you've got local, state, federal, all taking their little piece of the pie. And at the end of it, there's actually not that much money left. So I don't know whether it would be a case of increasing, uh, say you know, ten twenty percent levy on player registrations, whether that would be enough to to finance the the W League, or quite frankly, we're looking at whole of game now because there's there's no money in the game at the moment, and that's that's the big struggle without a big broadcast uh, investment. Um, it's it across the board. It's it's quite dire. Uh, I wasn't joking about Lotto. I think I just get on to that. But I don't know how you raise that money. Um, we, we have been crowing about the fact that we are the biggest participation sport for as long as I can remember. Why that's not converted into bums on seats, eyeballs and money uh, is is beyond me. I mean, who, who's going to find that the magic bullet or the silver bullet or whatever to, to take it through? Um your models sound great. You need to present them to someone. Okay. <laughs> okay. So so my uh, other side of that is that 
there have been some clubs that have been doing quite well through COVID because of uh, JobKeeper grants, mm. um, all, all kinds of things that uh, support structures have put in place to help support through this period. And we are mm-hmm. going into a World Cup year, uh, sorry, a World Cup. So we need as a nation to promote the sport that has the highest participation. This falls back onto the government, not FFA, by the way. Mm. So mm. the government should be putting money into facilities like they have pledged they will do, especially yeah. to upgrade female facilities to make it more welcoming and comfortable for girls to play football and then have them play at decent places that will be identified to scout talent. So I think the government's responsibility here is to jump in and put that money in. It, it's... It's about time. I mean, we talked to um, Nick Galatis from the AAFC about having a grassroots kind of second-tier NPL system for the male side of the game, um, and that's that's great because uh, we do have a lot of money in grassroots football. Well, there's plenty of people playing it, so there's money there. It's just the model that brings it together has to be defined in some way. So in the female side of things, we're going into World Cup. That's pretty massive. Mm-hmm. That that year itself, that just saying that thing means that the government should jump on board with that and put more money into more things and that will answer all of our questions, really. So who do I need to go and visit? <laughs> Scott yeah. Maybe start, maybe start <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. You're absolutely right, though. And, and the girls' game, the women's game, should be easier to align because you've got quite a close link between your W League club and your uh, MPLW because the, a lot of players are drawn from that or they go back to that, the ones mm-hmm. that don't go uh, overseas. And I think we're going to see more and more of that where those uh, MPL level clubs are the ones that are literally providing all the players uh, to go into the, the W League. So aligning those two shouldn't be too difficult. Then taking that backwards down to, to grassroots, it just makes sense. Yep. Unfortunately, with already no money left over, the, the, where does the extra money come from? And I, and I think you're, you're bang on. It's going to end up being government grants or investment into women's sport. Uh, so, yeah, how about a petition, Pen? Yes. Is there some kind of online crowd thing? And see, I'm not really hip with all that online stuff, but I'm sure Miranda with her generation or, you know, the age thing, and her dad's an IT dude. Yeah. So I think I should oh, have a chat to him. Yep. Yeah. Miranda, uh, it's all in your lap. No, <laughs> yeah. no pressure. Steph, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. Really do appreciate your time. I hope wherever you are, you're staying safe, everyone around you as well, and you're able to move out of your house. It's uh, Yeah, in Sydney, we're not too bad. We can't complain. Uh, like some friends in Melbourne and, uh, yeah, feeling very uh, footloose and fancy-free, as I'm sure uh, <laughs> for all of you over there. Always a pleasure to chat to and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Good on you, Steph. Have a fantastic weekend. See ya. Bye, Steph. Bye. Bye. That was Stephanie Brantz, who's a match commentator, sports commentator for ABC, and we hope that everything goes well and that we'll hear her voice commentating on the W League this summer. Yeah. Yep. And right through to April. Guys, it's been fantastic having you in the studio with me and allowing me to do most of the talking. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Penny. You'll have to get used to interrupting me. Thanks, Ben. It's been great having you all listen in to the World Football Program. Up up next is Len and Bag's Groove. Enjoy your weekend wherever you are. Thanks, everybody. Sean's in next week. Bye, everyone. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.